The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. What's up, everybody? Before we launch into today's episode, we have a very exciting announcement. We here at the Command Zone are hiring. That's right. If you've ever dreamed of turning your love of Magic the Gathering and Commander into a career, if you want to work with uh, creative professionals in a fast-paced environment that's really rewarding, if you're creative, ambitious, hardworking, passionate, we want you on our team. And one thing, Jimmy, is mm -hmm. that's really cool, I think, is we have a lot of positions open, and it's all the way from people who are entry-level with no experience to people with uh, that are experts in their field that oh, have a perfect. lot of experience. We, we yeah. want people all along that spectrum. I think this is a really cool place to work. Uh, hopefully you would agree. Yeah, I think so. It's been one of the best parts of my life for the last seven years. And if you're looking for a way to get into showbiz, the entertainment industry, online content creation, there is no better place. We very much look forward to seeing seeing everyone's applications. Yeah, so that uh, link is collected.company slash jobs. The link will be in the show notes, so you don't have to memorize it or anything. Mm -hmm. But please, if you're interested, if you want to join our team, follow that link, apply for one of the positions or multiple positions, and uh, hopefully we're See talking to you very soon. Yeah. All right, thanks everyone. All right, let's get on with the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm another host, DJ. And we are back talking about Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, AFR. Not to be confused with AFC, which are the Commander decks. Mm, We're not going to be... A lot of stuff going on. Not, a lot of legendaries. A lot of legendaries. Uh -huh. A lot of famous ones uh, from the books and the campaigns and things, if you know D&D. So today we're going to be talking about the mono-colored legendary creatures from the main Forgotten Realms set. That's right. Everybody know what that means? It's not from the Commander Precons. We're not. Gonna, we're going to talk about those in a separate episode. So uh, we're going to be going through all that. Uh, if you if you were looking for the multicolored commanders from the main Forgotten Realms set, we did that already previously in another video. So I think that's episode four or five. Do you know? Are, have you been keeping you track it, of episode you wrote numbers? It down. We have been keeping track of them. <laughs> <laughs> I did write oh, 405. 405. All right. Got it right. Ah, good job. Uh, but before we get into it, we got to shout out our sponsors here. Listen, if you want to get your hands on the Forgotten Realms cards, either the main set or the Commander Precons, there is so much cool stuff coming on the set. If you want to venture into some dungeons, you want to roll some dice, you want some dragons in your deck. You need to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That is the place to go for all your magic products, singles, anything at all. If you want to get a draft booster, a set booster, a collector booster, or if you just want to buy the singles, uh, which that's the most efficient way to go if you're building your decks. That's why you're here probably, hopefully, to hear what we think about certain cards so you can just cherry pick the ones you want. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone, the best place to buy it. They're going to have that stuff in the mail as fast as possible in your hand so you can be playing it and beating your friends up with it as soon as possible. Uh, and then once you get all that stuff, you want to keep it safe. You want to keep it in pristine condition. You want it to retain its value. The best way to protect all of your game pieces is with Ultra Pro products, Pro Gloss Eclipse Sleeves. I mean, as soon as I get my cards when I order them for a new deck, they all go straight into Eclipse Sleeves. I make sure I put them into a nice Ultra Pro Satin Tower. 
Mythic Collection deck box. I love the art, especially yeah. oh, from yeah. these sets. Dungeons and Dragons inspired. They pulled out the stops with art. There's cool stuff that you never see on Commander or on Magic cards. And Ultra Pro has that art on their products. If you're going to be playing at a local game store, you're going to want to lay out your play mat. You're going to pull out your deck with all those nice sleeves. And you want it to have beautiful art. Yeah, if you build a Drista Orton deck, you want to have the Drista Orton playmat and the Drista Orton sleeves and deck box because then it's like you're all dressed in press, right? You're, yeah. you're dressed to impress, I should say. So Ultra Pro really is the uh, company we trust our own collections to to keep our magic cards safe. And then finally, the final way to support all of our content, actually there's two ways right now, so it's not even the final way. Another way is on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute directly to our content and you get all kinds of perks like watching extra turns and game nights earlier than the general public. And another perk is we shout out one lucky patron on every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Roxanne Rasco. Roxanne you rock. Thanks, Roxanne. Oh, uh, no, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Last time we had a rock. I was told there'd be no more singing <laughs> since it's not just Jimmy and me and DJ doesn't sing, but no, I had to sneak it in there. Uh, one last thing. We do have something cool going on. We have, for the first time ever, created a Game Nights-themed deck box. Uh, we You can order it right now through Kickstarter. The link will be in the show notes. If you're watching the video, you're going to see it on screen right now. Uh, DJ, you've had a chance to see this thing in person. Oh my gosh, it is amazing. I love the high-quality materials that it has. The magnets are spectacular. It holds your deck together. And also, the thing I love, two double-sleeved 100-card decks and room for tokens or dice or even a 60 card deck in between. This thing holds your commander deck super well. The materials are phenomenal. It feels great and it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's super classy. We're, we're very happy with how it turned out. It has the Game Nights logo embroidered there right on the front. However, warning, it's a limited supply product. We only have so many of these things, so it's very possible because we're recording um, our episodes uh, sometimes long in advance. You know, I think this one we're recording it. It's not going to come out for like a week or more. Uh, it's possible that these are already sold out at the time that you're hearing us talk about them. I hope not, but that what that tells you is hit pause on this video right now if you want the deck box. Click on the Kickstarter. Lock in your order. Don't wait till later because we could run out. All right. Enough of that. Let's get into the main topic here, the Forgotten Realms monocolored commanders. Remember, we're just talking about the monocolored commanders from the Forgotten Realms main set, not from the commander product. We will talk about the commander product stuff in other videos. Uh, we're just going to go right down the line, I think, in Wooborg order. We're not going to talk about the new mechanics. We already did that again when we covered the multicolor commanders. So in uh, episode 405, if you want to hear us talk about the mechanics and all the multicolored commanders. All right. Let's start off with a famous... Uh, is this a famous one? Famous dragon. Well, this is where Drist Orton gets one of his swords. Ooh. In fact, his one of his swords is called uh, Icing Death, I believe. So Icing Death. That's the name of this card. But it's Icing a dragon, death, not Frost a sword. Tyrant. Oh, is it a is it a dragon or is it a dragon and a sword? It is a dragon dun, and dun, a sword. Dun. Yeah. Okay. Icing Death Frost Tyrant is two white white for a four three legendary dragon with flying and vigilance. When Icing Death Frost Tyrant dies, create Icing Death. Frost Tongue, a legendary white equipment artifact token with equipped creature gets plus two plus oh. Whenever equipped creature attacks, tap target creature defending player controls uh, with equip two. Okay, so this is very interesting because it's a four three dragon for four with flying and vigilance. When it dies, though, it creates a token equipment, which is the sword Drist Orden has. Uh, I think in days of, of your and other sets even, this would have flipped over and become that thing. Mm, maybe they didn't want to do double-sided cards as well. I think so, because you need a certain amount for the way that they print things. I don't think you can just have like a one-off 
Uh, yeah, because it dies, right? Like it dies and then flips. This is actually I mean? better though, because now I can play Icing Death from my command zone or resurrect it from my graveyard, but I still have the sword token that's there. Yeah, that's good. Now the sword is legendary, so making more than one of it isn't something we can really maybe take Mirror gallery. Of. There you go. Fringe fringe stuff right there. <laughs> but still, I think that's interesting. It actually makes it a little better than if it was d- dual-faced or if it transformed, because then you can't take advantage of the other side while the one side's in play. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um Look, it's a four mana, four attacking dragon. Um, are those stats something you're interested in in your command zone? Not generally, no. Okay. So we need, the weapon needs to do something, right? Right. Like we need to want that weapon or want something else about it. So is that weapon good enough? It gives plus two, plus O, oh, and when equipped creature attacks, you tap target creature defending player controls, and it's equipped too. No, it's not good enough. Because uh, you have to compare it to things like Sword of Feast and Famine. Sword of Fire and Ice. The things that we are willing... Sword of the Animus. They're all swords. Okay. The things that we're willing to play in our format. And I don't think that this meets the threshold really on either end, right? I don't think so. It's like fine though. I think it could go in an equipment deck. Because one of the things... I build equipment decks. I'm sure you have as well. And one of the things you're always balancing in equipment decks is ratio of creatures to equipment. Because it's very easy to draw a hand that has a bunch of equipment and no creatures or draw a hand that has a bunch of creatures and no equipment. And anything that can be both things is actually something you want generally in those decks because you're like, okay, at least it can stand in for either side of the equation that I need. Yeah, Jimmy and I geeked out about Dancing Sword also yeah. from the main set and where it can be an equipment and then turns into a creature a little bit later on. And so this can do something pretty similar. Like, you know, you have the creature and then it'll get the equipment later so that you can keep going along with your strategy. Yeah, you do have to jump through a hoop though. You'd have to have a sack outlet or something to guarantee it can turn into... But like, it's not embarrassing. No, four, no. Three, four, three Vigilant Flyers. So like, it's not like it's like, oh, a one one that you have to get rid of. It's it's fine. And in an equipment deck, presumably you have other equipment. So strapping a sort of feast of famine onto this thing is pretty scary. Has, For sure. The vigilance becomes very good once you're doing stuff like that too, because now it's a good defender. Craig talked to me about how important vigilance is in Voltron decks because a lot of times you're making one creature so big, you leave yourself open to a lot of repercussions. Uh, so vigilance is more important than you would think. Yeah. Yeah, you're on defense at least three times and only on offense once, so that makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, It does have this cool tap-down ability, so if you play cards like Static Orb, a three-mana artifact, uh, when it's untapped, players can't untap more than two permanents during their untap steps. Oh, so it makes the tap-down like really brutal because it's like very hard to untap the thing. And your commander has vigilance. Oh, uh, Meek Stone, another one. It's not on our Mm -hmm. list, but that would be good. Yeah, Yeah, Arena of the Ancients taps down legendaries. Oh, yours has has vigilance. vigilance. Something like that. So there's a few cute things that you could do. Okay, so you can do sort of a half stacks equipment Voltron strategy. I don't see that very often, so I hesitate to call it cool, though, because it's got stacks. I know, there. right? As soon as, as soon as you play Static Orb, people are like, you're playing Static Orb with your cool... You're like, like yeah, but Synergy's dragon. there. Like, I don't care. That's just sucks. <laughs> that's a yeah, mean card. Yeah. Hey, that's how we make Mono White good. Just play stacks. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, all right. Icing Death. It, yeah. Maybe we might see it once in a while. I don't think we're going to see it much, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's talk about the next one. It is Nadar, Selfless Paladin. Two and a white for a 3-3 legendary Dragon Knight with Vigilance. Whenever Nadar enters the battlefield or attacks, venture into the dungeon. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, as long as you've completed a dungeon. Really quickly here, because we've done this already before on the show, I'm going to explain dungeons. There are three dungeons. They exist outside the game. They're not considered part of your sideboard or anything else. When you venture into the dungeon, the first time you can choose any of the three dungeons and you move into the first room in the dungeon. Every time you venture after that, 
you move forward in the dungeon you're in. You cannot choose to be in two dungeons at once. Once you've completed whatever dungeon you're in, then the next time you venture, you're in the same place you were the first time, which means you can pick from any of the three dungeons, including the one you already completed, and begin in the first room and then move through it again. Nadar's interesting because it's kind of an easy way to venture into the dungeon. Uh, and ostensibly cares about how you having completed one dungeon. Yeah, although I don't know if uh, completing a dungeon just to get plus one plus one is something I'm super excited about. Like I, Seems I don't like know a if I'm. Lot of hoops yeah, I don't know if I want to rush through a dungeon just to get to that plus one plus one trigger. Uh, plus one plus one is fine, but in Commander, a lot of times you want you know a lot of plus one plus one counters on something, or you yeah. want this bigger boost. Uh, a small. There are white creatures do- that literally just say give all your creatures plus one plus one. So yeah. without doing anything else. So how good is venturing into a dungeon? Because as you move through dungeons, you do get sort of nominal effects. And then once you get towards the end, you sometimes get one big effect. Basically, uh, you're right. There are really nominal effects in the beginning. And so I think you need more than a couple cards to move through dungeons because you really do need to hit those upper ends of the dungeon to have it start paying off. And so if you only have uh, two or three dungeon payoffs, they're going to feel weak. But if you have a lot of them so that you are racing through the dungeon uh, and this is facilitating moving several steps through the dungeon at a time, then I feel like you're going to feel like the dungeons are really paying you off. But we're talking about taking advantage of Nadar's ability to venture, right? We're not talking about necessarily adding a bunch of venture into the dungeon cards of like uh, some two mana two two I'm making up a card but some some card that comes in and also ventures right because I feel like Nadar is probably best if you're blinking it uh, and just saying oh I'm gonna get that ETB off this creature and blink cards are just generally good rather than a bunch of like mediocre cards that say venture into the dungeon on them yes you need to break you need to go through the dungeon quickly whether you're breaking it with just Nadar and doing things that facilitate speed racing or whether you have other cards that supplement it and keep going with that speed racing but I think that just playing this and not really interacting with the dungeon, like slowly moving through the dungeon? No. You don't want to do that. You want to yeah. try and break it. You so want to what are some it. cards that can help us uh, take advantage of Nadar's ETB here or well, attack? Sure. Well, yeah, you mentioned blinking it, and yeah. so that works really well too. Uh, of course, there's some equipments like uh, Blade of Selves mm-hmm. makes a copy for each opponent oh. when it attacks. You're, they're legendary, so... But they'll get their ETB and then go away. But they will get their ETB, and so you'll go move, move, move. So you attack, that gives you a trigger on Nadar. Yes. Then makes three... Nadars and you get three more ETB triggers. So you yes. get four triggers on one attack. Yes. ETB triggers, cool. not they're, ta- they're already attacking, so they don't get attack triggers. You'll get ETB but and yeah. attack, but yeah, yeah. But home of the host, you oh, would get you the get enter both. and the attack, so you, you know, get for three that one. there. And then the next turn, Exactly, you five. get even more yeah. because you are you still have another one on it. You mentioned blinking, so cards that blink like Ephemerate or Rest- Restoration Angel, Felidar Guardian. Yeah, I wrote like down, that. you know, uh, White's actually pretty good at going infinite on blink. And so one of the things you can do is infinitely blink Nadar for infinite ventures into the dungeon. And the thing that infinite ventures into the dungeon will do is pretty much make you win because two of the dungeons will create infinite treasure when you do that and also create infinite one ones. Although it's not technically infinite because two of the dungeons, those two dungeons also make you draw cards. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, one of them drains too. So one of the steps along the way is you lose each of your opponent loses one life and you gain a life. So if you have more cards in your deck than they have life, then you don't need to infinitely blink. You just need to blink for the amount of life that the most, that your opponent, whatever opponent has the most. You can also like draw your whole deck and have access to that whole thing and play a bunch of stuff. You can usually win if you have infinite mana in your whole deck in hand. So let's talk about some of those infinite blink combos. Uh, Parallax wave and opalescence. So parallax wave 
Here, read it real quick. Parallax Wave is an enchantment that's uh, two white white and has fading five. You can remove a fade counter from Parallax Wave to exile target creature. When Parallax Wave leaves the battlefield, each player returns to the battlefield all cards that he or she owns in exile with Parallax Wave. Okay, but Parallax Wave is not a creature, so can't normally put a counter on itself. However, Opalescence... Yeah, Opalescence... Uh, each other global enchantment is a creature with power and toughness equal to its converted mana cost. It's still an enchantment. So you exile Nadar, then exile Peril itself with Parallax Wave. Then it leaves the battlefield and says, oh, all that stuff should come back. And then it comes back in and it has fresh fading counters on it. So you could start removing. You do that again. again and then you yes. infinitely blink Nadar and profit. Here's the thing is that your even though it was really clunky, your Restoration Angel, your Felidar Garden, your Panamarkon, like, don't those feel better in the deck than Opalescence and Parallax Wave? Well, Parallax Wave, I think, is just kind of good. It's just so a good card I think that's you like fine, it? yes. Okay. And then you just add Opalescence as a, hey, I'm in white, mm-hmm. mono-white if I'm playing Nadar. Uh, if I want to play combo, I can find it with Idyllic Tutor and Lightning Tutor. Okay, White's yeah. pretty good Academy Rector if you have deep pockets. And... Uh, I think that those cards, all the other four pieces are good on their own. So I would put Opalescence in the deck if I'm trying to play in a high-powered group, uh, if I want to be able to combo out. I'm not saying, like, listen, if you don't want to play combo and that's totally fine, uh, then you wouldn't try and do things like this. But, but it is important just... to power through the dungeon, and combo's one way to do that. Like, you don't just casually attack and move slow one dungeon every single turn. I think you'll be bored with this. And we've you said... need to trigger several times. And we've said this before where I like to just sort of try and figure out what the most powerful version of a uh, card is, just so I know where the ceilings had on it and i think for nadar uh infinite blinks is a thing that's possible and then yeah you've got a card up pulled up here that also can do infinite blinks if you create infinite mana yeah eldrazi displacers two and a white for a three three uh eldrazi it has devoid so it doesn't have a color uh it's two and a colorless exile another target creature then return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control so with infinite uh colorless mana you can blink this over and over and over and over again and just keep moving through the dungeons and win the game. Yeah, so, you know, b- classic Basalt Monolith, Rings of Bright Hearth type stuff will do it. And again, White has Enlightened Tutor and some other ways to find specific things if it's an enchantment or an artifact. So I think that's a doable thing that Nadar, Nadar could be doing. Is that like CEDH level, le- level good? Probably not, but that is a powerful thing to do. And we've seen like... Heliod and other combo-tastic mm-hmm. mono-white commanders be quite powerful uh, if you build them in that way. Okay, do you want... Let's let's make a combo, in quotes, and I'm going to move away from this is a, This is a... This was top comment when I was doing some research on this. <laughs> okay. Uh, the best thing It's a good do, one. The best thing to do <laughs> with Nadar is to put an assault suit on it. <laughs> assault suit is a four-mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. Has haste and can attack you or planeswalk you control and can't be sacrificed. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn. If you do, untap it. It has equipped three. Um, and so immediately Josh was like, oh, is this a cool thing? Like they move you through the dungeon. I'm like, no, you don't. You just give them the dar. And then when they attack with it, they start moving through the dungeon, but they didn't bring dungeon cards and they can't use yours. So they have to look it up on their phone and map out the dungeon on a piece of paper and try to keep track of it. <laughs> They're like, hey, can I just borrow one of your dungeons? No, absolutely not. You can, you can well, why did you put a salt suit in your deck? Because this is funny. <laughs> Clearly, clearly you want that's to troll what your people friends, on Reddit want to yeah. do. <laughs> you want to troll people with just another reason I don't go on Reddit. <laughs> that's but also, funny. Well, some another group of people was really excited because Sylvia Brightspear and Korvoth Brightflame, they care about um, knights and, and dragons. dragons. And this is a knight dragon. Dragon knight. The dragon knight. Mind Amazing. blown. All right, let's move on to the next one. This is a... Powerful. 
I like this one. It's Oswald Fiddlebender. <laughs> one in a white for a 2-2 legendary gnome artificer. It has magical tinkering. You pay a white and you tap Oswald, and then you sacrifice an artifact. That's the cost to activate the ability. Search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrifice artifact's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Activate only as a sorcery. So this is Birthing Pod for artifacts. Birthing Pod is great, and I love Birthing Pod. Just, it's, you know, in my deck. This is for artifacts, too. It's in white. There's so much value. Oh. You can get in through so many different loops or engines. Uh, Josh, I'm immediately excited. Yeah, this effect is always powerful. We've seen it on... Vanifar. We've seen different iterations of it, and it's always good. Yeah. Uh, this ability to sort of selectively tutor, but right onto the battlefield. It's sort of kept in check, supposedly, by having to tap the thing, only at sorcery speed. This one, you actually have to pay the mana cost. So you can't just pay life. Um, but still extraordinarily powerful, because it's a tutor, right? And... We know when they create cards like this, there's always going to be like, someone will figure out you an exact sequence of a, you get this, then you get that, then you get that. Oh, and usually... for sure. I don't know that we figured it out, you can tell me, but usually uh, there's one that will win the game on the spot. I don't know if for this one there will be, but it's it's... It feels kind of safe to assume that there might be. There is, but you need a few other pieces on the battlefield, uh, and they're, they're pretty normal. There's no like... There's no set combo yet that I've seen online where you start off from nothing or from a small artifact and then like move, with Van move through it. Yeah. And, and uh, there is if you have enough mana, but then you're working with infinite mana and that's like... You don't need... You don't, you don't need the, the yeah, right. chain. You know what I mean? Um, but there are definitely powerful things. I think that it's important to understand the floor. You know what I mean? How, the, yeah, how... how good as is it at its least powerful? Exactly. Which is very good. Which is very good. Just imagine you have a treasure a thopter, a servo, and you turn it into your soul ring, your skull clamp, your top. Yeah. Your Esper, your Esper Sentinel. Oh, that's an artifact. Oh, I want to do that. That's pretty sweet. And that's like the base level stuff, right? Right. Like, that's like the worst case scenario. That's like the worst I mean, case worst case scenario. is you don't have any artifacts, but it seems like you probably ah. built your deck wrong. Yeah. <laughs> worst case scenario. You, you turn your, your clue into... You built into... your deck wrong, and then you spilled a drink all over your deck. Worst case scenario. <laughs> worst case scenario. <laughs> He got pulled over on the way to work that morning, and then no, just, okay, uh, okay. But but in general, the way that these things tend to be used when it's birthing pod and things is you try and go find something that untaps the thing so you can use it again on the same turn, right? Yeah. So and are there? I, I'm racking my brain, and there's I know there's artifacts that do this kind of thing, but there's not as many artifacts that like ETB untap a creature. No, there are not. Where there are a bunch of creatures that ETB and do that, and that's kind of yes. how Vanivar gets out of control. Um, but, I and I, I know these cards because of my Tim deck, there are a bunch of artifacts that come in and you can activate to untap a creature. Yes, so Mage Rite Stone is a two-man artifact, one tap, untap target creature that has an activated ability with a tap in its cost. Yeah. Yep. Um, Puppet Strings, three-man artifact, two to tap or untap target creature. Staff of Domination. Does everything. Does everything. Including untap a creature. <laughs> a Sword of Perrins, when it's equipped, you can pay three to untapped uh, equipped creature. Yep. Uh, Thousand Year, Year Elixir is probably the best one because it's three mana. Uh, it says you may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Haste is going to be important so on this. Oswald haste. Yes. Uh, and Sorry. then 
one tap untap target creature. Oh, that card's perfect for the deck. Yeah, that card is perfect. Of course, it opens up more um, lines when uh, art when it you can turn this into an artifact because artifacts love untapping other artifacts. Oh, so you turn Oswald into an artifact, and that opens up more untap abilities. Yeah, so like a card like Liquid Metal Torque is a new mana rock, which is an easy include. You can also tap it to have target non-land permanent become an artifact in addition mm -hmm. to its other types. And then something like Clock of Omens, a four mana artifact, tap two untapped artifacts you control to untap target artifact. That just means that you're going wide with artifacts. You tap two more, you put another one on the battlefield. You can tap the one you just put on the battlefield and one other one to untap uh, Oswald and stuff like that. Um, so there's tons of untapping and tapping shenanigans that can happen with Oswald moving up the chain, finding more relevant artifacts, finding combo pieces, because we know you can combo with artifacts. Yeah, and there are certain artifacts that you want to get a hold of, and I think Oswald will be pretty good at finding you those, because a lot of these decks, the KCI mm -hmm. uh, type decks, want certain cards, and, you know, Scrap Trawler tends to be one of those ones you always want yeah, to find. like Mer Retriever, Scrap Trawler, um, Oryx Salvagers, because you're sacrificing things and putting them to the graveyard, finding easy ways to get artifacts back and start the loop up again or get exactly the right card that you want could be really valuable. I'd say generally these decks are, are they tend to be artifactocrats is what mm. I call them. So you try and set up a certain board and then you just sack the same artifacts, you know, two or three of them over and over and you set up a board where like they're just going to recur each other every time you do it. And that ends up being pretty easy way to win the game after you get it all set up. And Oswald helps you set it up faster because it finds the pieces. It's so cheap too. Like yeah. You can get it down on the battlefield really, really quickly. Yeah, you're doing it on turn three. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Um, of course, that's more of the the combo-y way. You could just go with value, like an Icar Wellspring, draw a card, sacrifice it, draw another card. That's totally fine, right? No, and that tends to be in the Artifactocrats decks anyway. Yeah. Um, I actually think that uh, there's a ton of different combos. I think that one of the faster combos, the one that costs one of the least mana, uh, would be Grindstone. That only costs one mana for an artifact. Three tap, target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. If both cards are the same color, repeat this process. And then there's a two mana artifact, Painter's Servant. It's a one three scare throw, scarecrow. Okay, keep going. Yeah. As Painter's Servant comes into play, choose a color. All cards uh, in, in play, spells, permanents are the chosen color in addition to the other color. So, so what it does is it changes all the cards in somebody's deck to that color so that grindstone when you do it once it just mills them all the way out it's an old combo painter servant used to be banned until fairly recently and has been unbanned i didn't realize that yeah that's a one drop and a two drop so you could actually even uh yeah you can get these out like super yeah super you can early, get them out super pretty fast. early it you wouldn't want to sack one, one for the other out. yeah no, so you would no. have to have like <laughs> another yeah it it well it gets one person and then Next turn gets the other, or else you have a way to untap your artifact and then... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, this is just one that's a one drop and a two drop. Just that's the reason why we're calling it out here. But of course, pick pick whatever one you want. You know, you mentioned Rings of Bright Hearth and Basalt Monolith. Like, you can do that too. Yeah, you can find that combo easily. Yeah, any sort of artifact-y combos or important pieces, that will allow you to build a deck around those because Oswald will just sort of guarantee, okay, you're going to be able to go find those pieces. Powerful. Very powerful. All right, that's all the white ones, the mono-white ones. Now we're on to blue. Let's talk about Grazalax, Illithid Scholar. One blue-blue for a 3-2 legendary creature horror. Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. So when one of your creatures becomes blocked, you can return it to your hand most of the time, unless you've stolen it from somebody. And then it says, whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, draw a card. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player. So if you uh, swing at somebody with four creatures 
and they don't block any of them, you don't draw four cards, you draw one card. But it's combat damage to a player, so would I draw for each player that I hit? Yeah, if you do hit multiple players, you can draw more than one card. Okay. Well, that that's a little bit of an upside, but still, it's kept in check. It's not the same as, like, Edric or something. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about this bouncing ability? Because we like attacking, we like drawing cards, all that stuff. That's pretty a known quantity, but it's really interesting that you get to, like, blocked creatures can be bounced back to your hand. It's a huge tempo disadvantage, but I... Yeah, it seems like it's a disadvantage, right? Like, that's bad, but you can turn that into an advantage, right? Like, you can make it so that you want your stuff to get bounced. Yeah, there's a card called uh, Cunning Evasion. It's one in a blue for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to, to its owner's hand. And it sees So that's play. a thing that already exists. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, probably a good thing is to go on EDH Rec, type in Cunning Evasion, and see what other cards get played with it. Exactly. And then play those cards in the Grazalas deck. You got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, basically what it is, it's ninjas, because ninjas want to attack and sneak uh, through and, and then they in your hand so you can yeah, out. save your ninjas and stuff like that so okay. that makes sense also it's it's smaller creatures that you can redeploy for value uh and that's a good thing that you also want to attack with them first right like sneak right. sneak damage in also anything that's small and has an etb would be good too i would assume yeah i mean just imagine something like a, a watcher for tomorrow oh, I love you that know card, or actually fibble thip the lost you know oh, what i mean yeah like one pit, play Get it your draw card. your card attack in and they're like well if i block it they're going to return it to their hand and play it again for another card if i don't block it they draw a card so it's like where oh i like this they? conundrum either way i draw a card this is good yeah of <laughs> course there's other cards too like if you're thinking about ways to draw cards or threaten your opponents uh you can play a card like you love amphin mutineer i love amphin mutineer you don't love it i do love it we love it we love amphin mutineer yeah that's actually pretty good because it comes in kills something and then you attack with it and it's like you know, you don't want to take a lot of hits from it, but you w you don't want him to replay that next turn and exile something else. Exactly. Um, Agent of Treachery. This oh, goes yeah. against, this goes against the well cheap, so you can redeploy it easily. They're never blocking it, <laughs> but they're never blocking. Yeah, it. they don't want to get that back hits. in their hand. Do not put that back in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Glenelander Archmage. Oh, uh, you know yeah. what I mean. Like especially you you, it. you've already used it once, so it has the negative one counter. So if you uh, use it again, it would die. So now you just attack, hope they block, and if they do, well, now I can redeploy it and I get another counter spell. And for if you free. don't, you draw a card. Yeah. Um, I also like uh, Baron Talarian Archmage because it's that bounce effect, but also you can bounce your own stuff, and when you bounce your own stuff you draw a card oh that's cool. so you can they can not block your amphibian mutineer uh and then you're like ah okay i'll baron and rebuy my amphibian mutineer anyways and then you'll draw a card from that too that's so cool so much card drawing uh also there's a bunch of cards in blue that already have sort of the text of like hey if you deal damage with your creatures draw a card so you can just kind of double up and make it you can really make the the opponents incentivized to like block well if i don't block it's going to draw two cards per creature now or two cards uh, you know for attacking me so i might as well block send it back to their hand and then you know basically put them in a damned if you do damned if you don't situation if you're already trying to have creatures attack and have small creatures that get through damage you know like you mentioned biden of thassa reconnaissance mission reconnaissance mission coastal piracy they all go with the theme anyway so even though uh, it's a little bit redundant with your commander you still want that stuff right you know and then you're going to have some blink synergy stuff that blinks your creatures since you're going to probably play a bunch of creatures with the ETBs, Thassa Deep Dwelling, uh, Crystal Shard to bounce your own stuff back to your hand, or opponent's stuff, Does or is that Erratic Portal? Um, it bounces theirs, but they have yeah. to pay one. The, what, so it it sucks playing against that card, it though, because you can't tap out. Yeah. Uh, and great. then Sword of Hearth and Home is a new one. That, oh, man, that card is so good. So Blink good. something and get a land into play? Like, thank but you. But just imagine all the creatures that we talked about. We talked about, you know, removal spells, Agent of Treachery, you know, Baron, and those are just like 
the little ones that we talked about, there's so much good blank on yeah. these little creatures. I think that this deck is going to play really well because you're going to churn through your deck, but also have a lot of interaction for your opponent. Very cool. Yeah. All right. That deck's going to be pretty good. It's going to be fun. All right. Let's go to the second mono blue legendary. There's only two mono blue ones in this set, so this will be the last mono blue. It's... Uh, I've only ever read this name, so I really have no clue how to say it, and I'm sorry to those out there that play Dungeons & Dragons a lot and do know how to say it. Imrith? That sounds great to me. Desert Doom? Mm -hmm. Three blue-blue for a 5-5 five, five legendary dragon. You don't think of blue and desert in the same uh, sentence generally. So 5-5 five, five flyer for five. Uh, Imrith has Ward 4 as long as it's untapped which means it costs four more to target it. And whenever Imrith deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Then if you have fewer than three cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. This is super interesting. So Imrith wants you to have very few cards in hand to get maximum value because then it becomes hit opponent, deal, uh, draw three. That's nice. But that's only if you have no cards in or yeah, less yeah. than three cards in hand. Yeah, you then you're yeah, if you're at the point where you're hellbent, drawing three is is really nice, that but you scared. also got to the point where you're hellbent, so like you're a little bit scared. And everyone knows you're hellbent, so they're like and you live you leave your ward. They're up. like, ah, maybe I'll just kill your dragon so you stay hellbent. Oh, that yeah. makes me really, really And when you nervous. attack your ward goes away. Oh yeah, right, because you tap. Okay. Yeah. Uh so you want to give this thing vigilance. Yeah, for sure. People talked about uh, Dragonlord Ojitai. Five Similar. mana, five power dragon. Has hexproof as long as it's untapped. Gives you a card. And we know that Dragonlord Ojitai people play it. Uh, a little. And a little. Yeah, it's not super popular. Uh, people put it in dragon decks, so people might put this in dragon decks. Okay. But one thing that I've noticed, though, is that if you are putting this in a dragon deck, you're probably not getting that draw three trigger very often because you're going to have these big things in your hand. Your it's hand true. is it's always not good in a dragon deck. I don't think actually, because dragon yeah. decks aren't usually empty handed because they have so many like six and seven drops. Exactly. Well, and also it's not that great in a blue deck that likes to hold up interaction. Like think about your right. blue decks. You don't How wanna... often are you empty handed in your blue deck? You know, you don't want to be. Yeah, exactly. Ever. Like yeah, never, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and because you're always like holding up this or holding up that, and then you have card draw to refill. Yeah. So this is actually more interesting and more compelling than a lot of other traditional blue cards. Right, because you have to build it in such a way that it's not going to feel like your normal blue deck because you're yeah. going to want to empty your hand. So it's exactly. a bunch of cheap stuff. And you put down here a, a, a phrase that hurts my soul. <laughs> card disadvantage is okay. In a deck that's designed to overdraw. It's not okay. Well, sometimes... Do you like the card Force of Will? Yeah, but... Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, it's okay. Do you like the card... <laughs> do I have to go through all of these? No. <laughs> Chrome Mox, Mox Diamond, Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, that's a discard your whole hand, but makes sense. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of cards where... That, those those are all good cards. Lion's Eye Diamond, by the way. What is it? Like $500 or yeah, more, more these days? Like, yeah. I, well, the, we mentioned uh, What's the Lion's Fox Diamond, too. Okay. Those are all it's really expensive, expensive cards. Too. So, yes. Newsflash. <laughs> Chrome Mox, Mox Diamond, oh. Lion's Eye Diamond, Force of Will are okay to play in this deck if you have $1,000. All right. How about Misdirection and uh, sure. Foil? Okay. You like Foil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Uh, Force of Negation. Sure. Subtlety. Okay. So those type <laughs> of cards, though, that like require you to discard a card to do it, or they have like inherent card disadvantage to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I like this card a lot. Mind over matter. Yeah, mind over matter is two blue, 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 blue. 
uh, choose and discard a card, tap or untap target artifact, creature, or land. This is great, because you can attack with Imrith, too, and before damage, discard a card to untap it so the ward is still there, and that might get you down below the three cards, so you're just going to, like, you're going to get the card right back. Uh, I like it quite a bit. And Mind Over Matter does, like, disgusting has, things. Oh, yeah, it certain, just disgusting yeah. things, for sure. If you've ever seen it go off, you know it can do crazy things. But at the same time, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's definitely not the traditional blue deck, is it? it well, I mean, we, so far, yeah, I mean, Chrome Mox, Mox Diamond, Lion's Eye, those, I've seen those cards before. But yeah, we're about right. to talk about some cards that I haven't <laughs> seen a lot on the battlefield. And these are things that allow you to get rid of the extra cards in your hand, like... Gustra's Scepter. I'll be honest, I haven't seen Gustra's Scepter in play before. Uh, it is a... I've played this before. Uh, it I is a. You didn't get it out against me. <laughs> I did me. not get it out against you. It is a zero mana artifact. You can tap to remove a card in your hand from the game face down. You can look at it as long as it remains removed from the game. And then you can tap it to return a card you own removed from the game with uh, Gustra's Scepter to your hand. And then when you lose control of the Scepter, put all the cards removed uh, from the game into their graveyards. So you kind of hide cards over there. So you have access to them, but they're not technically in your hand. Exactly. Yeah. So you can move cards over there, get your hand low so that you can draw more cards with your dragon. And then if you need that card, you tap it and get that card back. Okay. Uh, Walking Atlas gets extra lands out of your hand. I have a feeling that if you attack a few times with this, you'll just end up with extra lands. That's the problem is you're going to, like, if you end up drawing like three or four lands, you can only play one per turn. And so you're like, I would like to get rid of these cards so I can draw more cards with Imrith, but... Yeah. Their lands. So yeah, Walking Alice is good. How about replacing replacing the draw with something else so that you always keep your hand size low? A card like Words of Wind. Okay. Two and a blue for an enchantment. You can pay one. The next time you would draw a card this turn, each player returns a permanent he or oh. she controls to its owner's hand instead. I played this in my Nekusar deck before. I took it out because it's too mean, but yeah. It's pretty mean, right? Yeah, because you're like, ah, oh, I decided not to draw the card. You all bounce stuff. Bounce, 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 bounce. So you, if you know your dragon's going to live, you just skip your draw step for the turn or whatever because so you, it's going to even out with the amount of card draw you're going to get with the exactly. Emirates. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you put in... <laughs> I put another mean thing to Jeez Louise. What are we recommending here? All right. So the next card on the list is, if you've ever played against this card, it's going to make you throw up. It's Zur's Weirding. Three to blue for an enchantment. Uh, players play with their hands revealed. If a player would draw a card, he or she reveals it instead. Then any other player may pay two life. If a player does, put that card in its owner's graveyard. Otherwise, that player draws the card. It's a lot of words, but what ends up happening is that nobody draws any more cards because everyone's just like, well, I'll pay two life, and then somebody else will pay two life, and then they get mad that you pay two life, so they pay two life, and they're just everybody just blanks everybody's draws. But what if you're drawing three cards? Yeah, so you're like, okay, well, I actually don't want to have any cards in my hand, and then what are you going to do, pay six life every turn? Okay. Yeah, but you're just going to overwhelm their ability to pay their life. Um, look, a lot of this stuff is very cute. Yeah, it's all very cute. I don't think this card is very good. I had actually put something down on the list that I realized as we were talking does not work. So uh, I will just say it so that those of you out there who are thinking the same thing can um, cannot think that anymore, which is that I, I was like, oh, you could put instant speed untapped stuff to protect your creature, like Twiddle, Vizier of Tumbling Sands, Minamo school at water's edge this stuff may still be okay but it won't work how i wanted it to because war what ward does is make it difficult to target the creature when you cast the spell you have to pay extra mana so let's say imrith is tapped and i go to path to exile it i pay the one white i cast path to exile it goes on the stack you can't then untap imrith and change the casting cost of my spell so you could be like yeah i untap imrith and it's like fine but my spell's still on the stack it doesn't now cost four more 
So yeah. that won't work. These spells might be okay just to like you attack then untap it and so that it's safe Manamo. on other people's turn. Yeah. Manamo or something like that. Manamo probably still goes in the deck, but it won't save you when you pass priority um, because they go path to exile and untapping won't save you. So there you go. Good stuff. I caught my mistake in the middle of discussing the card. Good job. Uh, all right. We've got, that's blue and white. We've got black, red, and green coming up. So don't go anywhere, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our, our sponsors first. All right. We are back. We are discussing the mono-colored new legendary creatures, commanders from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the main set, not the commander set. All right. We are on to black. Yeah. A lot of talk around this first one, DJ. Let me read it. It's a Sararak, the Arch Lich. Two and a black for a 5-5. Five, five. Legendary zombie wizard. Three mana, 5-5, five, five, huh? Okay. When a Sararak enters the battlefield, if you haven't completed Tomb of Annihilation, the specific dungeon, Tomb of, the, uh, of Annihilation, which is one of the three, when it ETBs, if you have not completed that dungeon, return a Sararak to its owner's hand and venture into the dungeon. Mm. So this is three mana venture into the dungeon until you have completed that one specific dungeon. Whenever a Sararak attacks for each opponent, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token unless that player sacrifices a creature. The only way you'll get to attack with a Sararak probably is if you completed Tomb of the Annihilation. Uh, which may take a little while. Tomb of the Annihilation is the one you can finish the fastest. We've talked about this on a past episode, but it it only has three steps if you go the hard way, but it has one step in there where you have to sacrifice an artifact, a creature, and a land and discard a card. So it's a hefty price to pay if you want to like speed rush through a Tomb of Annihilation to get to creating zombies or edict effects on your opponents. Is that what we're doing with this deck? Well, I don't think that it's horrible to do that, but I think that there are other more powerful things to do. Um, if you think about just using this to get through the dungeon and get through as quickly as possible, it's nine mana to get through the dungeon and then you play it. And then it means you have a 12, 12 mana, five, five. Seems kind of bad. Yeah. It does when seem kind of like bad, that. <laughs> but it's, it's trigger when it attacks is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, creating, it's, it feels like Grave Titany when you create that many tutus. So you're like, yeah, I'm either going to get six, or sorry, three tutus, six power, or my my opponents are going to have to sacrifice some stuff. Of course, Punisher mechanics, you never get exactly what you want if you want the tutu. Some of them something awesome, they ain't sacking it. Yeah, you're just getting a tutu, for sure. Um, Okay, well, one thing that's interesting here is you do not have to venture into Tomb of Annihilation as your dungeon. When you venture with a Sarak into a dungeon, the game says, okay, which dungeon do you want to go through? And you can pick the other two. And if you go through one of those, you'll... I mean, you never have to... You can just use a Sarak as a venture card, right? Yeah, it'll never actually hit the battlefield. It'll hit the battlefield and come right back to your hand so you can cast it again and venture deeper into the dungeon. It becomes a dungeon enabler. Infinite mana immediately goes infinite dungeons with a Sarak. And we talked about how that just win the game. Yeah. Yeah. So infinite mana will just win the game with a Sarak. Full stop, as long as there's some black mixed in there. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, That automatically, face value, that that sounds pretty great. I mean... Almost every commander I can think of that goes infinite with infinite mana, that, that wins the game once you get infinite mana, is very powerful. Because saying, oh, my, my game plan is create infinite mana, that's not that hard. Every color can kind of do it, and black yeah. especially because of all the tutors. So, like, that, that if somebody builds that version of the deck where, like, they're going to, like, like, I'm going to get Basalt, Monolith, and Rings of Brighthearth 
as fast as possible. Although you need black mana, so and you can't exactly do that. Filtering effect that gets you. Yeah. Although yeah. going through dungeons will give you some amount of treasure, so there it's one. But like maybe anyway, I'm just saying like. That, that is accomplishable pretty easily by a mono black deck. Absolutely. And there are other ways too. So if you get infinite mana, great. But there are other ways to just kind of uh, hyper play this over and over again by reducing its mana cost. So a card like Heartless Summoning is one in a black. Creature spells you cast cost two less to cast. So it's so just... A Serac just costs black? One black mana to venture through the dungeon. That suddenly becomes pretty good. And like you mentioned, that treasure along the way becomes just a free move on to the next room. Okay. Uh, and then it does say creatures you control get minus one, minus one. You don't care about that at all. One black mana, and then it says, oh, have you completed Tomb of Annihilation? No. Bounce back to my hand. One black mana, do it again? That seems pretty good. That seems pretty great. Uh, how about Bantu's Monument? Uh, three mana legendary artifact. Black creature spells you cast cost one less to cast. But when you cast a creature spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Um, so now you don't even need to venture. You just, doesn't matter. Just play this thing 40 times. Okay. Exactly. Urza's Incubator, uh, you name, you know, zombie, and it'll reduce the cost, casting cost of zombies by two. Uh, the, the fact that Aserak is a zombie is actually kind of a big deal because there are a bunch of zombie cards that do this. Absolutely. And Undead Warchief also reduces the casting cost of zombies. But also there's some other zombie, like, sort of uh, uh, things that synergize with them particularly well. Like uh, Diagraph Colossus is two and a black for a zombie giant. It's a 2-2. Two -two. Uh, it enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each zombie in your graveyard, but... Whenever you cast a zombie spell, zombie spell, uh, put a 2-2 two -two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield tapped. And since one of the win cons is just cast a Serac 50 times or whatever, that's, yeah, okay, that seems Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Uh, Vanquisher's Banner is oh, a yeah. five-mana artifact. Um, basically, you choose a creature type, zombie. Um, creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. And whenever you cast a creature spell of the chosen type, draw a card. So now we're just like, cast it, draw a card, cast it, draw a card. Uh, you could put it into a zombie deck with like Rooftop Storm and make it free. That's pretty good. I mean, Rooftop Storm, again, just wins the game mm -hmm. because it's a free zombie spell. Same thing with Allurin. Uh, you can just cast this over and over and Allurin over again. Allurin lets you cast three CMC or less creatures for free, right? Yep. And it's Flash. Oh boy, so you could do that on somebody's end step? Yeah. You obviously couldn't put it in, in a Serac deck because that's right. it's a green card. So, But green finds creatures really well. Yeah, that's true. And so does black. <laughs> black <laughs> finds anything very Omniscience well. Omniscience again. So anything that casts this for free, whether it's infinite mana or whether we'll it's something that cheats into play, just wins the game. Yeah. I mean, Omniscience just wins the game generally anyway, but Aluren. I know. It's a cool one, huh? Aluren's very powerful too. I've definitely lost to it for other combos like this. So it's not super surprising. Okay. A Serac seems fairly powerful if you build it in that way. Um, even I, if you don't, just like Bantu's Monument. Seems great, With right? like Cabal Coffers and uh, Urborg. You don't have to go infinite. It's just like, hey, I just, I'm just going to cast this like 14 times this turn. Venture 14 times. Everybody lose 14. I gain 14. Like, that's crazy. It's great. And these aren't even the only ones. Like the, yeah. even Jet Medallion or something like that can help reduce the casting cost. So there's there's even more redundancy than we mentioned. Yeah, so in that deck, it's a lot better to have cards that reduce casting costs than cards that like tap for mana because you're going to cast your commander over and over. Yeah, a lot of time black is going to be uh, your, your thing that you need to get. So that might be something that you think about as you build it. On to the next one. Asmodeus the Archfiend. Four black black for a 6-6 six, six devil god has binding contract. If you would draw a card, exile the top card of your library face down instead. You can pay... It has an activated ability of black, 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 colon, draw seven cards. You Ooh. don't have to tap 
Asmodeus or anything, so you can do that as many times as you have black, black, black. However, remember, you have a binding contract, so instead of drawing the seven cards, uh, you will exile the top seven cards of your library uh. face down. And then it has one black, it has another activated ability, a second one. This one black, return all cards exiled with Asmodeus uh, to their owner's hand, you lose that much life. So really, instead of you thinking of it as three mana to draw the seven cards, it's four mana to draw the seven cards and you lose seven. This has echoes of Grizzle Brand. It does. Nowhere near as powerful because Grizzle, uh, you had no mana that you had to pay, so you could just keep <laughs> yeah. doing it. Also had lifelink, so you could get you some of the life back. But it's kind of like Necropotence crossed with a fair Grizzle Brand a little yeah, bit. Villas, that kind of stuff. There is some downside too, right? You could... Pay the three mana, exile the seven cards, and if you don't have a black left and somebody kills Asmodeus, oh, no. then they're just stranded there in exile. So the, Josh, Josh's advice is always have a black up. Always. You have to have a black up at all times because you never want to lose. Why don't you want to pay three mana and nothing happened? But by the way, here's a great thing too. Let's say that there is that situation where you have just three mana up. If you just wait and someone's like, uh, I guess I'll kill your commander, then you can activate it. Oh. You know what I mean? On the stack. So, no, you couldn't, but you, wait, you have to kill it with the activation on the stack. Oh, yeah, you can kill it with the activation on the stack. But they yeah. can't. You can't they activate can. in response. Yeah, because what you could do, if you really want to draw seven cards, I don't know why you would do this. <laughs> if you had some way to kill Asmodeus, I guess you could sack it. So yeah. you you go, pay the black, 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 and the draw seven cards is on the stack. Yeah. And you sack Asmodeus, and now when you draw the seven cards, that ability resolves. Asmodeus is not out, so you just straight draw them. They don't exile anymore. So that is a way out of it, I suppose. You can get out of your binding contract. You have good lawyers. <laughs> that's, the, that's the right way to do How it. How good is this? I think a lot of people are comparing it to Grizzlebrand, which seems nuts to me because Grizzlebrand is banned. It's so good. It's this a is, lot of mana. And there's multiple hoops to jump through. to. Sur- yeah, the difference between like something costing zero mana to do and something costing more than zero mana to do, it's a huge gap between zero and, and one. And this is zero and four, really. And I actually think that Grizzlebrand in your command zone might not it would still be good don't get me wrong but, but it might you, not be as good as all the other ways that people use it which is usually cheating them into play it. Yeah, yeah exactly okay um and when you're cheating into play it means that you're also cheating the mana and so that means the zero activation is critical so even if you cheat this you still need four and that makes it that much slower it wouldn't even be that good to like cheat out with anime dead on turn two because what are you going to do you, you can't even activate it next turn you have to yeah that and makes your draw sense. step goes into exile yeah <laughs> So you've got an interesting thing down here, which is really smart. There are certain effects in the game that replace the drawing effect and don't technically draw you cards. Mm. And that's a way around the exiling, so you don't have to pay. It'll basically save you the one red, the one black mana you need to get the cards back. But let's talk about a couple of those. Yeah, under Underrealm Lich is three black green for a 4-3 zombie elf shaman. If you would draw a card like that, instead, look at the top three cards of your library, then put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So Asmodeus has a replacement effect on it to exile the cards. Underrealm Lich has a replacement effect on it to uh, instead look at the top two and then choose one. Yeah. And so you control both abilities, which means you can determine which one happens first. And then by the time the second one would happen, the other things already happen and you're not going to draw a card anymore. So Underrealm Lich says, uh, instead of draw seven, you draw, 20, you draw, you do the seven <laughs> times. You, yeah. draw, you look at top two, choose three. one, oh, top three, yeah. choose one, put in your hand, two in your graveyard, then do that again 
uh, you can only do that so many times before you deck yourself. But it's actually <laughs> really good because you usually want cards in your graveyard. So you're going to dump like 14 cards in your graveyard right there and pick the best seven out of. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, we've seen Abundance do this kind of thing before. Abundance has you pick land or non-land and then you can go until you get that. That's also a rep replacement effect. There are other replacement effects out there, but these are ones that we've uh, definitely seen before. This is very good against the Neclusar decks, by the way, because you don't end up drawing any cards. And even Osmodi's all by itself. Uh, means that they can't kill Ooh, you with cool. your card draw because you don't draw cards anymore. Uh, you put this down, uh, Scourge Familiar. Oh, yeah. So this is a new card from uh, Modern Horizons. Oh, is it a reprint? It's a reprint, yeah. Oh, I thought it was just from Modern Horizons. Um, but they it, reprinted and put awesome new art. Okay, yeah. that's why. Well, this card's ridiculous in this deck because it is uh, four and a black for a three-two flying imp, but you can discard a card to add a black. So now you just go discard three cards, Exile seven, discard a card. So you've now spent four cards to draw seven. So you're up three. You're up three. So now you just go infinite on cards right draw, there. Draw your whole deck, find exactly what you need, protect everything. That's great. Yeah, you don't have to go draw your whole deck. You can just draw, draw 20. Most of it. Yeah, just 20. 20 is good. Well, then you once you have 20, you just discard the cards to get the mana to cast the things that you've got into your so hand. So good. So yeah. good. Um, I like this next tact, which is like, you can steal Asmodeus's ability onto a creature that doesn't have the binding contract thing. Yeah. So if Asmodeus is in your graveyard and you play a Necrotic Ooze, Necrotic Ooze is two black black for a four three. As long as it's on the battlefield, it has all activated abilities of all creature cards in all graveyards. So it doesn't have the binding contract, the static ability, but it, it does the have the activated ability of black, 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 draw seven cards. That's pretty sweet. That's you wouldn't even lose the life. You don't even lose life. Yeah. Just black, 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 draw seven cards. Over uh, and over again. Marisil the Pretender is similar in that it steals activated abilities from... Yeah, Marisil decks will want it. Marisil decks are very specific niche things. Yep. So if you have a Marisil deck, you got a new toy. Um, all right. How good do you think this is? I think a lot of people were just saying, hey, it's Necropotence, Crash with Grizzlebrand. It's going to be ridiculous. It's a six mana, six, six... Devil God, not a demon, sorry. I think that in mono black, you have more efficient ways to win the game. And this does draw a lot of cards. It can be really fun. I like drawing a lot of cards, but I don't think it's as powerful as people are letting on. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not Turgrid powerful. Like, no, I don't right? think so, I yeah. Think this'll be fine. It'll be, I think it could be a good deck. And I like, like this deck will be strong because you will never run out of gas. Mm -hmm. When your commander is built like this, you can always sort of refill your hand. And so that's a good part about it, but I don't think it's going to be broken. Yeah, but to re, like, it's still, I think people aren't realizing how slow it is. Yeah. Like six mana, then four vulnerable, mana. then four mana. So hopefully 10 mana to immediately draw your seven. That's not immediately if it's 10 mana. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's like when the old saying of it takes 12 years to be an overnight success. Yep. All right. That's Asmodeus. We got one more black legendary creature. It is Eben Death Dracolich. Two black black for a five two zombie dragon with flash and flying four mana five two flash flying when it enters it uh even death enters the battlefield tapped though so mm. that part's not as good can't ambush people you may cast even death from your graveyard if a creature not named even death dracolich died this turn that's a pretty so that's an efficient creature four mana five powered flyer Yep. Um, and then it's hard to get, I mean, creatures die all the time. You're right. going to get it back, you know, uh, and you're not paying command tax casting it from your graveyard. Right. Um, so this could be a pretty big beater that just keeps coming back over and over and over again. Like this could be, this could be a Voltron commander. This could take people out. Yeah. On its base level. Um, 
you know, if you're playing it sort of fair, I think that's fine. Also, one interesting thing about uh, Even Death is it doesn't care. Another creature doesn't have to die when it died again. Like, as long as one creature's died, you could cast it and sack it, cast it and sack it oh, as many yeah, times as you want yeah. within the same turn. That's where my mind goes. It's a 5-2 flyer, flash. Uh, you put, like, is this how good of a Voltron uh, commander is this? And you're putting it up there with Yargle and Skithrix. <laughs> Yargle. How does Yargle make the list? Skithri- Yargle! Skittles is legit Voltron because it only has to hit you for 10. And I don't I think this I don't think this, this gets three, anywhere this near is as good. four hits. Five hits. Five hits. I mean, you, yeah. if it's Voltron, you, you would add some power somehow, I hope. I hope. Uh, but I don't think that's probably realistic. It seems like some sort of graveyard combo-y recursion yep. loop is probably... Like nine times out of ten, if you see even death on the battlefield in the command zone of your opponent, they're probably doing aristocrats shenanigans. And there's a lot of cards that basically do what even death does anyway. Yeah, you're right. And actually, this is a pretty good combo piece for those aristocrats strategies, those loops. Um, so let's say you have a sacrifice outlet because you need things in the graveyard anyways. You like that in aristocrats. Uh, and so if you have a card like Sifter of Skulls. Uh, three and a black for a four, three uh, Eldrazi. It's got devoid, but whenever a non-token creature you control dies, put a one, one colorless Eldrazi scion creature token onto the battlefield. It has sacrifice this creature to add colorless to your mana pool. So, so it makes one, one tokens. You can sack for mana. Exactly. And those one, one tokens are creatures dying too. Yeah. You, they already have the sack. Yeah. So again, if this creature's on the battlefield, you can sacrifice your general and some, you'll go to the graveyard and now you have one mana to bring it back. So now it only costs three. Yeah. Uh, you want as many of these things as possible when something dies give you mana so that you can be mana positive on the death yeah um pawn of ulamog does the same thing but with zero one um eldrazi spawns yep uh this is a good one pitiless plunderer three and a black for a one four whenever another creature you control dies create a colorless treasure artifact creature token with you know treasure create a treasure create a treasure um this is by the way when any creature dies so if you sacrifice that scion or that eldrazi spawn it will also create a treasure for that right so pity of the splendor goes really well with uh the spawn of umlog because it basically creates two treasure or two more mana every time something dies so if you're you're pretty close if you've got even death a uh ashnod's altar so you sack the altar make two mana and then Pitiless Plunderer makes you a treasure, and then Spawn of Ulam makes you a Scion. You sack the Scion to get another treasure with Pitiless Plunderer, and now you're mana you're positive. You're mana positive. You've and created you five mana from the death of a thing, and you're going to spend four mana to bring it back and do it again, but you got that one floating. But that's that's three other cards. You need Ashnod's, uh, Spawn of Ulamog, and Pitiless Plunderer. But I think you're going to find that there's a bunch of cards that fit into the slot. So Ashnod's for Phyrexian Altar, Pitiless Plunderer versus, you know, there's a few, uh, a number of cards that can like work in this in conjunction. So it's not like you have to find those three specific cards. You'll probably have seven, eight, ten cards that could fill those slots. Yeah. And like Acerac, the one that we yeah. talked about first, Acerarac. sometimes Acerac, sometimes you don't need to make it mana positive. You can just keep playing it over and over again. And True. Even if okay. it's even, you might have a thing that says, oh, when it die, when something dies, blood artist, exactly. do this thing and that'll kill people. So you can just break even on the exchange. Yeah. You know, um, and some of the stuff that we mentioned before, like Bantu's monument that can drain mm. it as you cast oh, it. Oh, true. All those cards are still good. Cause it's, this exactly. is like a Sarah We're just casting it over and over. So even, uh, Urza's, uh, incubator, incubator undead you just name. Chief. Oh, again, you can still name zombie. And then it's two black mana to do this. Yep. Now you just really need like Pilius plunder and Ashnod's altar. And that, uh, like that dire graph Colossus also creates oh, zombies. Yeah. Uh, here's another one that creates zombies that only works with this one. It's Tormod, the desecrator, uh, three and a black for a four, two, whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, create a tap two two black zombie creature token okay 
Yeah, so you can so just create more zombies. The graveyard over and over. Exactly. Yep. And by the way, all those zombies uh, can also be sacrificed to get more mana to cast it over again or fulfill whatever other parts you need. And like you mentioned, we can have, once you have that loop going, anything, you know, like a Bastion of Remembrance or anything like that can Tulip sort of or cutthroat. We'll just kill, finish kill people. Exactly. We've seen this a lot and there's the Gravecrawler loops and people do it with reassembling skeletons and things like that. So And Gravecrawler could go in here. This is a zombie yeah. too, so you can have your Gravecrawler crawler loop and that might be an easier way to go about it yeah and that skeleton of the deck is pretty good in mono black so this will be powerful but it's not like doing something we've never seen before absolutely uh blade wings thrall is a nice one too it's a zombie that when uh, you control a dragon when a dragon enters the battlefield you can turn it for the graveyard to the battlefield oh that's kind of a cool one right wait just goes yeah straight. graveyard battlefield sacrifice it graveyard battlefield that seems good yeah <laughs> Anyways, yeah yeah it's yeah, cool stuff okay <laughs> all right i like that dragon moving on to red let's talk about delina wild mage three and red for a three two legendary elf shaman we got mono red elves now when delina attacks choose target creature you control then roll a d20 if your d20 comes up one through 14 you create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of the creature that you've chosen except it's not legendary, and it has exile this creature at end of combat. Mm. And then if you roll a 15 to 20, so 75% of the time, create one of those tokens, but roll again. So... 25% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say one out of four? 75%. Oh, sorry. 75% of the time you'll do the, the easy... The first yeah. one. So... What's that mean? That means out of four rolls, you should get five tokens. Yeah, but then you're going to roll again. If you got a 15 to 20 again, you'd make another to token and then and then roll again. So you could kind of get lucky. Oh, yeah, you and, could get lucky. And roll off and just be like, I make four copies of this thing. Um, and it's any creature you control. You're always going to get one. But it, it goes away at end of combat. Yeah. How How much are we kept in check by you know, until end of combat. Well, we're kept in check a lot by end of combat. We're also kept in check by the rolling aspect of it, you know, because that's not as, you know, easy. It's not as controllable as say, uh, the card we just saw, Rionia fire dancer, right? That sort of always gives you one. And then you can add more copies by casting spells. You have a lot of control over when you're going to go wide with this one. You're just like, okay, I'm ready to go wide. Let's hope I roll better. Right. Or a barbarian class or something like that. They, that kinda, they let roll. you, uh, they let you make copies of legends though. That's cool. I do like making copies of legends for sure. Um, and there are some legends that attack really well. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of legends that really synergize super well though. Like ETB legends, you know, yeah. a lot of times there aren't legends. I'm trying to think just... of like, how can I break the legends thing? And it's tough. I mean, multiple Delinas sounds cool, but the problem is it goes away at end of combat. So you can't like take advantage of having two Delinas to say other. You can make two of her, no, right? you can, yeah. But it doesn't do much unless you could... Like, Helm of the Host with her, I guess, is fine. Because then you attack, you roll twice, and... Helm of the Host is very cool. I like that. I hadn't thought about that one. That's good. You, Yeah, I mean, it's just another trigger, right? Like, it's it cool, though. Yeah. I like other triggers. Strionic Resonator would do the same thing, though. Oh, yeah. So I was just thinking, like, <laughs> oh... Because the first thing I thought was extra combat steps. 
like oh attack again but it doesn't matter they doesn't go away matter. at end of combat so yes exactly that because you can't so you can't go infinite with like morag or something right you cannot because there's no yeah oh no actually you probably still should be able to right because you make a copy nope morag goes away at yeah, end of combat so you'd have to be able to play you'd have to have walking atlas or something to out play a land in the middle of the turn yeah oh so, but if you had walking atlas sorry i'm derailing us a little bit but if you had yeah if you had walking atlas it'll untap walking no morag's weird but right, it says after this, you okay? All right. Here's the thing. This you, is why we don't go off script because I would have to pause, look at my phone, figure out the. But at first, anyway. But here's the thing. You called it. You were like, "How much does it hinder it to do end of combat?" It's a lot. And we're like, "It's a lot." And the reason why is because we're like, "I've seen this before. I can do this. I can break this." And then you're like, "Ah, oh, end of combat." You yeah, know what I mean? It doesn't like work. you keep running into yeah. that stuff. Um, legendary creatures are cool. I think that the most, the coolest legendary creature that I found is Varchild, Betrayer of Keldor. Okay. It's cares uh, about how much yes. it hits yeah. Two and a red for a legendary human knight. When it uh, deals combat damage to a player, create that many 1-1 one, one red survivor creature tokens. Oh, and it leaves. Exactly. Uh, and then when Varchild leaves the battlefield, just leaves, you know, not dies or anything like that, you gain control of all of them. Oh, so since it leaves at end of combat. Exactly. You're just going to get all of that stuff because you're going to have a copy that leaves. Does it say, yeah, gain control of all survivors. So yes. your original Varchild, which must be out, otherwise Zelina couldn't copy it. You'll also get those survivors. Exactly. That's cool. I like so that one. So you get one. a bunch of survivors. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, I'm a survivor. Sorry. I think I sang twice be- in this episode. <laughs> You're going to get one more. Okay, I'll hat try. Trick. I'll try. Uh, look, this is, this is fun because it's got that randomness to it. That, that uh, mirror march kind of. Right. Thing. And mirror march, people played it and it was fun. And I've seen it around because it's fun to flip coins and make copies of stuff. It will be fun to roll dice. But it sucks when you whiff and it happens. I, I know. Uh, you, I, I put Sundial of the Infinite in here because you can end the turn before end of combat and yep. keep the thing. But, you know, and, and that's fine. One interesting thing is that they've actually day one eroded this. What? Yes. <laughs> they already eroded this thing? They already eroded this. What's it say? Uh, it says you may roll again for this other one. Oh, you don't have to? Because uh, there's, there's <laughs> is there a card. Is there some way to like. Yeah, there's a card pixie guide. It's that blue card that does the barbarian, the barbarian thing where you get to draw, roll more dice. Yeah. So basically people are copying pixie guide and then that'll let you roll more oh, dice. Crap. And then you can copy it again and again so and again. So you can always have a draw because you can it, never you can, stop. Exactly. Well, you, but here's the thing. To. Theoretically, you could stop because if you whiffed, but you would you but would, then you keep making more and more dice, which makes it less likely that you're going to stop. But you could at one point in time roll a hundred die and have them all be ones. That is possible. That's possible. So Rosencrantz and Guildenstern would like that. Yeah. So it's not actually an infinite like a thing that there is an end that could happen technically it's possible but uh, very unlikely and the more longer goes on the more unlikely it gets exactly okay so it's a may on the last part if you ever run into the may part of it you probably are going to win the game i know right because you have infinite number of hasty things uh look i mean copying stuff is great and it could be really fun i think that some of the best stuff to copy double stuff so like fiendish duo if a source would deal damage to an opponent deals double that damage instead double double is really good angrath's Marauder does the same thing, okay. you know, deals damage to a permanent player, double that. And so if you get multiple copies, doubling ends up being really good, you know, okay. stuff like that. All right. Sure. I don't know. Seems cool. You we get to roll. We you really get to roll liked dice. Rayonia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the other one. And I think that that is this similar is very enough. Si- it's more similar than it looks like just because the dice rolling makes you feel like there's more variation than there actually is. You yeah. always get to make a token copy of something. Sometimes you just get to do that more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so let's go on to the next one, which is Inferno of the Star Mounts. 
Four red red for a 6-6 legendary dragon. This spell can't be countered. Flying in haste. Six mana flying haste can't be countered. If you pay a red... Oh, sorry. It's, it's got a weird fire breathing. Red colon in front of the star mounts gets plus one plus oh until end of turn. But it says, when its power becomes 20 this way, it deals 20 damage to any target. <laughs> That's so fun. That's so cool. It's pretty crazy. All right. It's, it's still a, a line. It is a lot, but it is still a good dragon. You know, it can't be countered, comes in and attacks immediately, has fire breathing, but all of those other dragon stats are not exciting. The exciting part is getting this up to 20 to dome someone for 20 to their face and have a 20 power dragon swinging at them. I mean, it probably killed them, right? Where you went swing, hit well, you, them you, for... You do it beforehand, right? You you pump it up before. And That's what I'm 20. saying. Yeah. yeah. You're like... Do yeah, 20 to your 20 face. 20 to your face, swing. swing at you for 20 because this yeah. thing has to be a 20. So now you're dead. <laughs> yeah. That, that probably is what happened. So how do we get to 20? Yeah, because you don't want to pump uh, 14 mana into this. Yeah, well, 14 mana can work. Actually, 14 mana is doable. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also have cards like Braid of Fire, which you always kind of find ways to use Braid of Fire. It's a goofy it's very one. good. It's yeah. cumulative upkeep of add red to your mana pool. Used to be bad in the old mana burn days, um, but it's during your upkeep, so you have to be able to use that mana. So on the first turn, it's in play. On your upkeep, you get one red. Then you get two red. Then the next, you know, your third turn, fourth turn, fifth turn. By the sixth or seventh turn, you're getting six mana during your upkeep. But you, again, it's good in like Joyra. Anything that has an activated ability, you can activate it at instant speed. Activated ability. So you just go boom, pump. Yep, now it's a 12 6. Yeah. A mana geyser is a way to get 14 oh, mana pretty yeah. easily. Usually like 25 or 30. Um, I think another way that people are talking about is uh, Iron Crag Feet is one red, red, red. Add seven red. Uh, you can cast only one more spell this turn. Oh, so you just like pump four mana. So basically, four mana takes us to 13 13. Yeah, and then you copy that. So you can uh, copy it with something like dual strike or fork, fork or anything else. Suddenly that gets you 14 mana because seven and you're not actually casting any more spells. You're pumping all right. seven red and then seven red from the copy into your dragon and you get it up to 20. Um, you mentioned treasonous ogre. That's a good way to get up and get all that mana. Three life for a red. Sounds like a lot, but if you've ever played treasonous ogre, it feels like cheating. <laughs> it uh, totally does. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll probably be in a situation where like, geez, I just need two more mana to be able to do this. Treasonous ogre, six life. You got it. Totally. Um, uh, I like to have the eternal a lot because this means you could swing and maybe pump three or four into it, hit somebody for 10, and then it'll give you those 10 mana back as a rebate on your post-combat main phase, and then you pump it in for the 20 damage. And by the way, there are cases where you might use that 20 damage on any target to kill a Planeswalker or a creature. Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. Um, there's also ways to double its power. They're also clunky, though, because you can't just like put this up. Like effects and spells to yeah, double Yeah, so like a card like Unleash Fury is one in a red for an instant, double the power of target creature until end of turn. So if I pump four into this, double it, it's 20, but... But you doesn't work because you need to pump in the last red to bring it to 20. Right. It says when its power becomes 20 this way, meaning yes. that the 20, it has to be at 19 and you put a red in and it becomes 20 to trigger this deal 20 damage to any target. Exactly. So you'd have to pump it by three. So it's got nine power. You're absolutely right. Then double it to 18, then pump it two more. So that's three, four, five, six, seven mana still to get there. You got it. Plus a card. Yep. Hmm. That I seems know. a lot worse when we were laid out like that. So Unleash Fury maybe doesn't even go in the deck. Maybe not. Maybe not. Although, I mean, but here's the thing. If you got it up to 20 and then you double it to 40, that's hilarious. Yeah, or if you just go, like, <laughs> pump it by four, by five, mm -hmm. attack you, double its power, kill you, because commander damage. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, too. I don't that's care too. <laughs> about the 20 damage any target. But I want to do the 20 damage. <laughs> uh, okay, so... 
here's the thing. We have cute ways of getting it up to 20, right. but also we want other things that synergize with big powered commanders. So Alina Kessig Trapper is mm. four and a red for a four, three added amount of red equal to the greatest power among creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn. So you can sort of have this enter the battlefield. It has haste and this Apple can tap Lina. for six. So immediately just smack them for 12. It's still a lot. And it's yeah. flying haste. Yeah. Exactly. So, and this could work with other big power things because you want a lot of big power stuff in your deck. Yep. Uh, Arnie Broken Brow is two and a red for a three, three. It has haste, uh, but you can pay boast for one and you can may change Arnie Broken Brow's power to one plus the greatest power among other creatures you control until end of turn. So um, if you pump four into this, then Arnie becomes uh, 11. 11, yeah, yeah. 11 power. It's, it's, it's just pretty efficient with that. Um, Chandra's Ignition. Just kill Who's people. playing red decks without Chandra's Ignition I know, right? at this point? Yeah. Team or Battle Rage kill Give people. Double Strike and Trample, yeah. Yeah, um, any sort of fling effect. I've been playing... Uh, what's the what's the MDFC one that lets you fling? And it's all... Uh, yeah, I don't it's know. It's a good one. Okay. <laughs> It's on screen right now on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can't think of Carbos, the name of it. Fury or something like that. But yeah. fling works as well. You just say, okay, I'm all done with this. I'm going to fling it at your face, deal another 20 damage. That seems pretty good. It also could get around attacking. Like if they have a, you know, I don't know, a um, sphere safety or something up or uh, yeah. some some way that's not letting you attack. And you you, could, you want to get around that. Like you said you can, before. You, you could possibly pump it to 20, deal 20 to them, fling it at them, kill them. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yep. Uh, do you know what the real? Yeah, this is the is? first thing I thought of when I saw this card. Actually, was oh, this you, is the first thing you've heard? Yeah, that's so, awesome. So, so I was like, well, if you get it to twenty power, and then you can have an effect that reduces it back down to nineteen, then it's just one red. Get it back to twenty because it just triggers every time it goes from nineteen to twenty. Yep. With a red by activating the ability. So if you could figure out a way to do that. Um, I came up with one way, but it requires another color. You found a way that you could do it within um, the mono red. So yours is better. Go ahead. Yeah. Umazawa's Jite. Uh, one of the modes on Umazawa's Jite is you remove a counter and target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. I totally forgot that it can even do that. So you remove a counter, give your dragon minus one, minus one until end of turn, pump another red into it, and then 20 someone again. You That's just machine gun for 20 with your Umazawa's Jite. Yeah. If you have enough counters on Jite one mana geyser will win you the game then for sure right because you just go to nine you go to 19 pump it up to 20 gta 20 gta you know if you have five more mana you're probably killing everybody because that's 100 damage mine was a great combo yeah it's great i think it's fun mine was pemmin's aura uh which mm. requires blue but it has this ability where you can um give it negative one plus one. Oh, got it and so if you activate that then it brings it down to 19 then you activate the fire breathing 20 so it's two mana every time to do there, there are other 20. ones like uh serrated arrows yeah one but that that's hard you could only really do it once you gotta tap the thing no yeah yeah it's harder than i thought i was like isn't there like a pestilence or a pyrohemia that gives negative but that would be very powerful so they didn't make that um, <laughs> but still yeah gta is 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 very good yeah, that's like a good GTA way to do it yeah, yeah for like sure one. okay one more red mono red commander it's zalto zalto i don't know fire giant duke Three. This is Reed Duke's uh, older brother, by the way. Three red red for 7-3 giant barbarian. Five mana, 7-3 has trample. And it says, when Zalto, Reed Duke's brother, is dealt damage, venture into the dungeon. So enrage, venture. That'd be sweet if that's what it said. Enrage, colon, venture. That's I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's on the, like, super secret layer promo version. It literally just says trample, enrage, colon, venture. Do it. 
So whenever it's dealt damage, you venture into the dungeon. It has three toughness, though. <laughs> so watch out, because it'll die real fast. Uh, um, the, so the you're enraged... venturing once or twice each turn, it's fine? Right. We already saw Nadar, Acerarak. These are possible infinite venture commanders where it's not that hard to come up with a little combo that gets you there. Mm-hmm. Zalto's much more difficult. Um, and also just difficult to trigger the first time. It has to take damage. Like, no one's really going to... Maybe they block it, but then and it probably And then you go venture dies. once and it dies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Enrage as a mechanic is a thing, and I've played against Enrage decks, so it's kind of a known quantity as far as, like, the stuff that will deal damage to your own stuff. This probably goes in those decks. Maybe? Does it even? I don't know. I don't uh, know. But the, the first thing I thought of was Pyrohemia. For sure. Which is just one red mana deal, one damage to all creatures. Uh, and then if there are no creatures on the battlefield, you have to sack it as an enchantment. So with that, you could venture twice per turn. And it's, you know, that's the way you want to go with Zalto, I think. Do it twice on my turn so it doesn't die. Then wait till DJ's turn. Do it twice so it doesn't die. Then, you know. That'll have you moving through pretty quickly. You are investing. I mean, one mana to venture is pretty, pretty good. I think that's so. a good rate. I think it's a really good rate. Um, You could put other Tims in there. Uh, like, you know, Tims. Prodigal Pyromancer or Cunning Spark Mage. But again, that's not getting what you want, which is multiple. That's one. Like, would you play a card that just said venture once every turn? Maybe you would, but Wizards it's not that great. Wizards didn't print it, so maybe I need to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that one of the better Tims to do this would be Endbringer. It's a five and a colorless for a five, five Eldrazi untap Endbringer during each other player's untap step. And you uh-huh. can tap it to deal one damage to target creature or player. So this so boom, does tap get you venture. Then on your turn, it untaps, do it again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in my experience, cause I'd love Tims and stuff. Endbringer is just not quite good enough for six mana. It's pretty big. It's yeah. Six mana yeah. for sure. It's got other modes too. You can, you pay can draw, a card. To draw a card. Yeah. You can make creatures not attack, but those cost mana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, one thing I've liked in in range decks is court of ire, uh, because oh. at your turn when it, so basically it comes into play, it gives you the monarch. And then if you have the monarch, it deals seven damage wherever you want. Don't want to direct that at your cre- creature guy. Cause it'll right. just die. But seven damage is seven damage. That might be better than moving through a dungeon. You smack someone with it. Um, or if it's two damage, you can point that at your general and venture through the dungeon, venture through the dungeon. or it can maybe attack in really nicely. Cause it has trample. One thing you probably want to do is just give this thing indestructible so that you can, you know, you don't have to worry about things like, oh, it might die. So Dark Steel Plate, Hammer of Nizan, those are two ways to give it indestructible. Then you, at least you won't have to worry about the other modes on cards or like Pyrohemia. You're like, well, how much red do I have? I'll just use it all. That kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, for playing cards like Pyrohemia, like you mentioned, or we're doing a lot of damage to our creatures, this could be sort of a part of the stop hitting or... The the, the infamous, uh, the mythic <laughs> stop hitting yourself deck that we talk about all the time, but I took the deck apart because it was so bad. But however, that was years ago. Maybe I need to put it back together. Yeah, new Brash piece, Taunter you have on You know, there, Brash Taunter, which is Brash really good. Brash Taunter is really uh, good. Blazing Sunsteel is brand new. It's an equipment that uh, does that same thing whenever equipped creatures dealt damage. It deals that much damage to any target. You know, so you're hitting this and then it's getting a little bit more value as it's hitting something else yep i don't know it's it's a lot of hoops to jump through and i think there's probably better enrage um payoffs and it's mono red so this is probably not a card we're going to see in the command zone much because the stopping yourself deck if it works it probably needs white at the least so you're going to see this in the 99 i bet but i i'll be surprised if you see it in the command zone very often from your opponents for sure yeah all right we got one more color to go it's the worst color in magic it's green. Let's see. Green can't catch a break these days. They never get good cards. Let's see if it continues. 
Old Knobbone. Oh, look at this. We pulled a, a showcase full, no no frame. What do they call this? Full art. Is that called full art? Showcase. Extended showcase. Extended there, showcase. There's too many names for things. We can't. We play ma- We play so much magic. And we, I, can, I have no idea what anything comes out of what pack. This is in a collector's booth. I have no idea how you get these, but it looks cool. It's Old Knobbone. Five green green. Seven mana for seven seven. Legendary dragon with flying. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, create that many treasure tokens. Ooh. So you play Old Knobbone and you attack with other creatures, and if they have a combined total of six power and they get through, you're going to make six treasure tokens the turn you play Old Knobbone. Wow. That's pretty good. It's very powerful, just the ability to create that many treasures. Um this is a seven mana card, though. That's true. It's in green. Getting to seven mana seems fairly easy in green. I don't know. How much does green need a, a commander that creates a lot of mana? Not not really, honestly. Yeah. Because they've they've got stuff like that before. Did you know that? Actually, I didn't know this. I had to like have someone on the internet tell me that they basically made this card already. This uh, card already existed? Kind of. This okay. is Sakiko, Mother of Summer. Okay. It's four green green for a 3-3 three, three legendary snake shaman. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, add that much green to your mana pool. This doesn't cause uh, mana burn, <laughs> which is great text okay. on there. Uh, until end of turn, this mana doesn't empty uh, from your pool as phases end. It's similar. You can't Sim- carry it from turn to turn, yeah. but yeah. Treasures are definitely better, but did you ever? have you ever seen this card? No, this is uh, uh, a, a snake shaman who's wearing a Santa Claus outfit for some reason. It's really weird. I've never even heard of that card. Okay. But like clearly, so clearly this isn't something that was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We, we need, need that extra mana. Granted, treasures are way better than mana until end of turn. Way better because it's not just the mana they give you, but there are artifacts that sit there on the battlefield. So, we, you know, one of our um, categories here is like, let's use the treasure in some way and, you know inspiring statuary is a very simple way that turns them into things you don't sacrifice now and, and you just cast your spells with. And Green has so many ways yeah. to use tons of mana. Altar like. of the Brood and things like that that just Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Like, yeah, so th- there's like ways to take advantage of having a physical token artifact. Things that care about number of artifacts and things like that. So it is it is better than the Snake Shaman from Kamigawa, but still it's interesting. I know. Um, as long as we're making treasure, I like Academy Manufacture. Yeah. Uh, three mana for a 1-3. If you would create a clue, food, or treasure, uh, instead create one of each. So then suddenly all your treasures get multiplied. I had that card in a, in a draft, or it was a sealed, one of those, and it is broken. It is pretty good, right? <laughs> Anytime um, you make one of those, you make all three, it's pretty It's pretty good. Uh, Chitterfang Squirrel General can't go in the deck because it has that little black thing right down there. But this could go in the Chitterfang deck. Exactly. Chatterfang. When, yeah. Whenever you create a token, you can also create a squirrel alongside, so you create a ton of treasures, and oh, your squirrels grow as well. I mean, this deck is going to create a ton of mana, like... You yeah. just know it's going to do that. So I think most of the deck is, or not most of you're going to have to have a way in the deck to just use the mana. But fortunately, green's like really good at just spending it. Like think of just, I'll just Genesis wave for 35. You know, Easy. That yeah. doesn't seem that nuts for a deck like this to get there, just to have enough treasure laying around to pull that off. So I think the deck itself is not super interesting. It's really good. You had a, a combo here in some decks. Yeah. Uh, Aggravated Assault is a card you wrote down, which is an enchantment that you can activate for three black, or sorry, red. three red, red, and you get an extra combat phase and you untap your creatures. So as long as you're hitting for at least five, you can always get the mana back to activate it again and just keep having infinite uh, 
combats. It works with Savage Vent Maw, Hellkite Charger. Um, this is just another thing that combos with it. Yeah, part of part of that engine, and a lot of them want creatures that attack really well, and a lot of them have enough mana to be able to get up to those big sort of spells, splashy yeah. spells. You had an interesting note here, which is that um, the other colors besides green are sort of better at weaponizing treasures, maybe like Marionette Master, Mayhem Devil. So if you, yeah. yeah. So if you've got those cards in a Jun deck or something, you might consider this as like a way to make a lot of treasure, even though you don't build the whole deck around Old Nawbone. I don't know. I think that I think that making a lot of mana in green is like powerful, but not something that we've like we've seen it a lot. Like you know? green just already can do that. So this is just yeah. like a different way to make a lot of mana. But like we just talked about a legendary dragon, the Witherbloom dragon, the legendary yeah. dragon, Belgios. Yeah, that just makes a bunch of mana as soon as it comes into play. It's a seven drop. It makes a bunch of mana. This, you have to attack and get through with creatures to do it. It's going to be strong, but it's not necessarily like a lot more powerful than what we're already seeing. Yeah. All right. The next one is, okay. Do you know how to say this? No. The, I've been trusting you and your I know some D&D stuff, but this one I know is a character a lot of people like, and I'm just not super familiar with it. It's the Tarask. T-A-R-R-A-S-Q-U-E. I think that you did a good job on that. Sure. Tell us in the comments down below. Oh, yeah. Please tell us. <laughs> Uh, it's six green, 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 so nine mana for a 10-10 dinosaur. Uh, it has haste and ward 10 as long as it was cast. So if you cast it, it's hexproof, basically. Okay. Um, and then whenever the Terrask attacks, it fights target creature defending player controls. Remember, it has haste. If you cast this thing, it's haste and ward 10. You're going to get an attack off. It's a 10-10. It's going to kill something. Take it away, DJ. All right. <laughs> so it's hard to find out how good this card is because the internet is so infuriated by just the way it's designed. I saw a lot of people complain about this, and I unfortunately, like, if this was in an Ari Salvatore book, I didn't read that one, and I... Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what part of D&D this is from, but I'm not familiar with it. I don't know it. either. But they seem but mad. People seem mad about Yeah, but the Tarask is supposed to be this, this unkillable creature. This creature that is just pops up out of nowhere and destroys towns. And it's this very cool thing that people like to fight. And when you attack it and you, like, you defeat it, it doesn't actually die. It's just like, uh, I've had enough. And it goes and, like, hibernates again to come out and destroy later. a town later. Okay. It's Godzilla-y, kind of. Yeah. Okay. And so this has nothing to do with coming back after it dies. Exactly. All right. It has it has protection in ward, but it doesn't have any indestructibility. People wanted it to have indestructibility on it, uh. or they wanted it to have that replacement effect where it doesn't die. It goes like Amonkhet, a few things, or regenerates, or regenerate. People would have loved regenerate. On what it if too. it just said if Teras would die, re, you know, regenerate it instead or something? So it just yeah. have, you know, or just zero it regenerate. Yeah, people. I think people would have liked that. They'd have been like, okay, yeah. My my thing that I think I would have liked, which by the way, I don't know if this is on flavor. Tell me in the comments. Is that uh, basically, if it would die, you roll a d6, and then it's it goes in exile with that many suspend counters on it. Oh, come back again. That's pretty cool. Where it's like, okay, you don't know. You still have to roll. You don't know when it's coming back, but, but it'll it's come gone. Back you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. I don't know. Uh, but other, thing, okay, so here it is. It's a, Okay, we can complain about what we wish it was, yeah. but what it is is a 10-10 with haste and basically hexproof if you cast it, and when it attacks, it fights stuff. How good is that? 
here's the thing. Like, look, I got this monkey right here. It's Cogla the Titan Ape. It's three green, 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 just six mana for a seven, six. It enters the battlefield and fights. So it doesn't need to haste. When it attacks, it destroys target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. And it has the ability to give itself indestructible if you have a human to bounce to your hand. So Cogla's just better. It feels just better. It's slightly different, but it just feels better, doesn't it? It does to me. It does to me too. All right, end of conversation. Cogla's better. Why would you play the trap? <laughs> Sorry. You would play it because it's a cool card and, yeah. and people, but people hate it. Right. They hate it. And so then it loses all of its coolness. It is a 10-10. So like if you give it one power, two hits, kills them. So is there something there? I don't know. Give it trample, play it in those like, you know, the power matters. It doesn't have a, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have a way to reduce its cost like Galta or something yeah, Galta too. Galta is 12 too, so it's just two hits. You don't yeah, do anything. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm done. No with. trample. I don't like Terrasque either, and it's mostly for flavor reasons, <laughs> even though I have no idea the flavor. All right. We're to our last one. Yes. It's Varus, Silvery Moon Ranger. One green green for a 3-3 three, three human elf ranger. Human elf. I think that means half elf. Oh, cool. I like that. Because they don't have... Yeah, they don't have half-elf, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. human-elf. And like, it's not oh. Dragonlance. They can't have Tannis, so they've, they've got Varus. It's Reach and Ward 1. Whenever you cast a creature or Planeswalker spell, venture into the dungeon. This ability, though, only triggers once each turn. Ah. That part, yeah, that, that kept it in check. Whenever you complete a dungeon, though, create a 2-2 green wolf creature token. So, casting a creature and just moving through the dungeon... Sure. Is, is fine, and that's something that you could just... You don't need to build around dungeons. You can just keep casting tr creatures, and eventually you'll move through and get value. I would say that Venture into the Dungeon is roughly equivalent to Create a Treasure Token. Create a Treasure Token's good. Yeah, but I'd say that's what it evens out to. Like, the early ones are less than that, but the later ones are better than that. Yeah. So, like... Every time you venture, it kind of averages out to about the whatever you equate the value of create one treasure token is. Do you? I mean, would you say that's in the ballpark? Yeah, I think so. I think that when I when we thought about it and talked about it, it was like scry two or okay, scry one. Pretty... Not not quite a card, yeah. but like in the beginning, it's way less than like a third of a card. But it's like, but by later, it can be better than like two cards. Exactly. So I think it kind of evens out. I would agree. Scry two and create a treasure token, I think, are kind of similar. Yeah. And like value you get so if every creature you play well it's not every the first creature you play yeah, yeah. each turn is you know scry two or create, or create a treasure. treasure like how much value is that adding to your game it feels like not actually that much because it's only one per turn yeah and basically it's it's fine it's good i like it but this is like you want your commander to do something really significant you want it to add a lot to your game plan and just this incremental moving through the dungeon doesn't give it enough identity or doesn't give you enough value when you can have so many other different things it's pretty slow for its last ability too like if you can only venture basically once per rotation of the table because you can only get this trigger once per turn then you're not completing very many dungeons like you're lucky to get a wolf in the entire game but wait josh but wait <laughs> What if you could get more than one? How would you do that, DJ? Flash, 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 flash. So it's once per turn for the venture, uh, once each turn, but that means my turn, DJ's turn, Mel's turn, Maria's turn. Vidal so Kenori. you could get four <laughs> triggers, yes. Vidal Kenori. Winding Canyons. We almost made it through an episode without... <laughs> you thought you know, we were near the end and we were not going to talk about Vidal Kenori. You were wrong. 
Yeva. Yeva comes down and then gives uh, moves you through the dungeon and lets you cast oh, stuff on other people's I like too. that. Yeah. Of uh, course, you could just play other normal flash creatures. Yeah, green just has a lot of creatures that just natively have flash, so you could put a bunch of those in. Endurance, uh, Guardian Augmenter. That's a good one. Protects, protects your, your commander. commander too. Has Bo- board already. Slippery Bog Bonder also That's protects good. your commander. Yeah, yeah. Take your pick. A lot of flash creatures in green. Uh, a lot of cards that will let you play your creatures at flash. I think you just have to do that so that you can get enough ventures to... To have it matter, right? Yeah. It feels like I'm not sure that it'll still matter, but like... I mean, because you have to... Like, it's not just having that stuff. You have to have mana well, let's to talk about cast mana. that stuff over and over. What about Seedborn like Muse? <laughs> what about Seedborn what about Muse? <laughs> or Wilderness Reclamation? Those are things that can give you mana yeah. so that you can cast things on your opponent's turn. Yep. Even Glade Congratulations, Muse. <laughs> we broke Seedborn Muse. <laughs> Teamer Sabertooth, another good one that you can I bounce know. to your hand and play, replay the creatures. Yeah, I mean, Varus just feels like a bad version of stuff Green already wants to do. Like, just Guardian Project and draw a card every time you cast a creature, and it's not even once per turn. <sighs> Well, this is fine. This is fine. I think the the green uh, legends being kind of a little bit lackluster. And and if you're excited about venturing in the dungeon, I don't mean to poo-poo that. I just mean that, like, I think the multicolored commanders that do it, we're going to talk about the uh, commander yeah. product one that does it. Even a Sararak and Adar, which are the black and white ones, just they seem a little bit better. Even though this is funny, this reads as slightly easier because to play a creature is easy. But I think in order for venturing in the dungeon to actually, as a strategy, matter in a game, have an impact on who wins, you got to do it enough and at a speed that will allow it to like to like matter. So Varus just seems like too much setup to get to the point where you actually start completing dungeons. You're absolutely right. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for the monocolored commanders from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the main set, not the commander set. But before we go, we're going to ask the questions that we usually ask. And out of the commanders we talked about today... DJ, the monocolored commanders, which one do you think is the most powerful? I think we're going to have the same answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, the most powerful, in my opinion, is Oswald, Oswald Fiddlebender. Fiddle. Yeah. It's a tutor. It's a birthing pod. It doesn't take a lot. I think, th- what do you think second? That might be more interesting. I know what I think. I think it's... I a Sararak, that's what I think. Was that your second one, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah Sararak. That's the only sure. one that's maybe as powerful as Oswald. Uh, maybe a tuned version of a Sararak could be, you know, CEDH. I don't know. Probably not. Um, it's, it's. I always say probably not because I don't know CEDH, and it's just safer to say that. It's yeah, like being a weather person in Los Angeles, how you're like, <laughs> today it's going to be 73 and sunny. I'm going to be right 95% of the time if I just say that. Okay. Um, what card, though, of that we talked about today are you the most excited about? Like, which one of these decks would you the most want to build? I want to dri- build uh, Dracul- uh, Ebon Death Dracolich. That does seem cool. It does seem cool. I like all of the, the synergies that moves it around, and I also like the threat of it just being an attacky dragon. I think I'm going to say Delina Wild Mage. Ooh. Uh, I did say Rionia, so maybe I just have an affinity <laughs> towards this type of effect. But I also was, am like, I want to roll some dice. Yeah, For sure. Yeah, I like a good craps table, so, you know, you, you know that's, that's close enough, right? See if we can get lucky. All right, to the listeners, what new commander that we talked about on this episode are you the most excited to build? What sweet tech that we didn't talk about? Which What were you 
screaming at your screen or your radio like, what about this card? You guys are stupid. You forgot to talk about it. Please put it in the comment section below the video so that uh, all of our other audience members can see how smart you are and how dumb we are. And also just so that they know about the cool card because a lot of times I do look through the comments on these type of videos and go, especially if I actually end up building like a Delina deck, there'll oh, be yeah, something in sure. the comments. I'm like, yep, we should have said that and I'm putting it in my deck. Our viewers are smart. Yeah. They will come up with stuff that we haven't thought of. For yeah. sure. Uh, all right. And if you want to get your hands on these cards, it's very easy. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Just use that affiliate link. Go in there, order your sealed product, your singles, uh, your commander precons. You know, you want to get your hands on all that stuff. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the best place to get it to you the fastest and then the best condition. And then once you have it in your hand, make sure you're protecting it by using Ultra Pro products. That is the stuff that we trust our own collections to so that we make sure our cards don't get dinged up banged up they stay in pristine condition and also so that your battlefield looks as classy as possible uh no end step on this episode because we are releasing a lot of bonus uh videos you probably noticed we're, we're releasing you know like three videos a week here for a little while there's so much to cover so make sure if you're not subscribed you hit that subscribe uh and the little bell notification so that you know when all the videos are coming out because we're going to cover every single card from afr and afc that is going to matter in commander all right tj How's it feel? Feels good. Well, I think you're through all of the uh, Forgotten Realms main set stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Forgotten Realms main set is done. We've Commander we've recorded stuff. it. You may not have seen it. Yeah. But now we're going to move on to recording the uh, the rest of the Commander product stuff. So very exciting. A lot of cool stuff in there. All right. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone, which is Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, Grav Galati, and Dan Sheehan. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations that sit behind us on set sometimes and uh, open our podcast you can find jeffrey jeffrey on twitter at living cards mtg all right everybody that's it thanks for watching bye bye everyone peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.